Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery. Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. We hope everyone is having a good week, guys, and what a treat. And we have a special guest today, one that we haven't had before in, this, in the history of this show. Um, we have a cultural and artistic creative heartbeat here. You know, when you go down rock history, music history, when you talk, when you look at village, you know neighborhoods like the West Village in New York, right during the um, the sixties, or you know Laurel Canyon in the seventies in California, there always was people who are like the creative heartbeats of the city, who the artists gravitated to because of their intellectuality, because of their um, artistry, their way of looking at the world, the way that they could be inspired by being around these folks. And obviously Nashville being Music City has quite a few of these very unique souls. And one of them, ladies and gentlemen, is Leslie Lachance. Leslie Lachance is a poet. She's an essayist. She's an editor. And she's a university professor. And she first came to our attention because she was the editor of um, the book that friend of the show, uh, Seth Walker, did you remember Seth Walker he was in our show last month episode 110 and he has a memoir called Your Van is on Fire well Leslie is uh, a neighbor and uh, Seth in fact talked about her in his episode and and we got to know uh, Leslie a little bit uh, and her work and awe inspiring in every way shape and form you know she's been published in places like the East Nashvilleian Tennessee Home and Farm the uh, Steering a Literary Collection um, the Birmingham Poetry Review, the Greensboro Review, on and on, on and on and on and on. Her poems have been nominated for the Pushcart Prize, and one of them even got the, the Best of the Net Award from Sundress.net. So, long story short, she's amazing and just a creative powerhouse of East Nashville. So, her name may not ring familiar to you guys, but I recommend you guys to just take this wonderful conversation in because what a special person what a special person just honored that i got to connect with leslie lachance and i hope that you guys start checking out her work because um yeah she's one of these people that makes nashville go round and round to find out more about her leslielachance.com so without further ado guys we welcome you to the show if you're new uh, we asked, uh, as usual, to uh, please give us a little review. Just uh, get on iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, give us a little star review, and these li- these things helps us quite a bit. So, uh, welcome to the show and Leslie Lachance on J Rod Concerts, the podcast. <laughs> There you are. Hi, Jamie. It's oh nice my to meet you God. in person, so sort excited. of. <laughs> so excited to see you, Leslie. Yeah, likewise. How are you today? It's I'm so great today. It's a beautiful day after yesterday's storms and yes. 
and rain and all of that. So I'm actually looking forward to getting out in the sunshine a little bit later this afternoon. Absolutely, so. Leslie. Yeah. Oh my God. But really such an honor to have you on the show, Leslie. Oh. You know, I haven't been in this town long at all. I mean, I'm, I'm new, but certain things have become clear, Leslie. You know, one of them is that um, certain people are the creative DNA that inspires, that pushes other creatives and in turns uh, makes the city more human, you know, and, and more yeah. conscious. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and honestly, Exhibit A is is you. Uh, and, oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you. You're such you're, you're a leader in the community in values and creativity and, and soul. And it is just a beauty to have you here with us. Well, I am so honored to be here with you. And I'm so thrilled that you're based in Nashville now. That's amazing. And um, what a transition for you. Yeah, um, it, the weather has been interesting because like you, like you said, <laughs> You know, I mean, yesterday for, for the audience, um, you know, we're recording this in late January. Yesterday there was like crazy thunderstorms and, and today yeah. it's like beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Nashville will do that. Middle yeah. Tennessee weather is, is definitely crazy. <laughs> but we're so we're so glad that you're here and that you've brought your creative talents to us, to our town. So there, there's going to be a lot of synergy happening, I think. Cool. Um, you, you know, and... Um, yeah, we're glad to have you. Welcome. Welcome to Nashville. Thank you. Thank you so much, Leslie. And, you know, professionally, you know, to introduce you to my audience, you know, you're a poet, you're an, you're an essayist, you're an editor, you, you've taught literature, writing classes, mm -hmm. you know, you mm -hmm. came into our radar, uh, obviously, because one of one of our guests, uh, Seth Walker, uh, he, one of our great yes. guests during the holiday season, great singer, songwriter, um, and his memoir, by the way, Your Van is on Fire. Uh, the hard copy is, is, is now on sale. Like it just now, dropped it yesterday. Just dropped, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's sending out some, and and the and the paperback as well. I think is is um, being sent out. So absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 happening, and it was a wonderful project. It was so exciting, and um, it was almost like the universe put Seth and I in each other's paths to make that book happen. It was yeah. really a magic. Because because Seth Seth alluded to that he said that like that that you are the one that said Seth there's there's something here there's some potential here, so you know what did you see that he hadn't seen? Well, so I had become a fan of Seth Seth Walker's music when he moved in right across the street from me uh, a couple years back, and he um, we had the natural handshake, which means passing off a CD. Um, so he <laughs> gave me his CD, <laughs> and I and I just instantly. Um, dug his vibe and then he was not around that much because he was touring you know that man is a road warrior he's a true true troubadour and um and but whenever he was back in town and we had time to hang or talk we would and he loved to talk about books and literature and poetry um and then the pandemic hit and Seth was uh, his touring schedule you know I mean it just put the kibosh on his touring schedule so he um he started, he had been writing and he was always a magnificent storyteller. He would tell us these, he would, you know, whenever we were hanging out socially, he would just tell these great stories from the road and funny. And my husband, and I would always say, you should write these down, Seth. These are great stories. And so he took that advice to heart and he started writing them down and he would, he'd, you know, he'd, he'd text me and say, I got something, can I show it to you? And he'd come over and we, and he, so he started sharing some essays with me that he had written and some poems. 
And I said, after a little while, after a few weeks of this going back and forth, I said, I think you've got a project here, Seth. And he dug in. He, you know, and I've, and I've said that to other people who have shared creative work with me. And, and sometimes they take it to heart, but not, never in the way I saw Seth just sort of go right there. You right. know, and that became his focus for months. You know, he worked on the project. Um, you know, we, I think we, he started it in March, you know, when the pandemic hit and we got serious about it a couple months later. And then by the fall, he had a real book. Amazing. I yeah. love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, you know, there's so many things that I, that I want to talk to you about so many directions, but, but let me ask you about your early life list because uh, you know the beginnings of such a, a, a unique individual right um you were born in uh your upbringing in new york right in uh so Socrates, in Socrates? Socrates, yeah a tiny little town in upstate new york next to woodstock nice um so yeah and um you know it was just a river town a decrepit river town a post-industrial river town yeah. when i was growing up there now it's a very cute a uh, little getaway place. Uh, New York City discovered it. Um, mm, like a bed and breakfast kind of thing now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And gotcha. So now whenever I go home, all the shops that had been on Main Street that were just sort of, you know, ordinary shops or empty storefronts, they're all cute boutiques now and restaurants and bookshops. It's very exciting to see the That's town great. have transformed that way. And were you always surrounded by books, like maybe from your parents say, or in your household? Yeah, my mom taught school and my dad okay. was also a big reader. My dad liked nonfiction and magazines and my mom, of course, loved everything. She was a science teacher um, and an elementary school teacher. So I was very, very fortunate to grow up in a household that was nice. full of books with parents who loved to read. And and so it was, um, it was just something that I... I always did, and I always, uh, I always was a writer too. I always journaled mm -hmm. as a kid, and um, I think I always knew that was my trajectory. I loved, nice. um, I loved novels about kids who wrote, people who wrote. I loved to read writers' biographies. Yeah. So I think I knew pretty early on, and that that's what I was going to do. In fact, when I graduated from high school, my mom had a birthday cake made for me in the in the shape of a typewriter which really? is what we use which yeah. is what we used back then <laughs> well you know now they're the cool thing right the typewriters oh i know i know yeah, especially yeah, yeah. for for writing poetry and things like that yeah it's very retro oh. but that's what i grew up oh. writing <laughs> writing with <laughs> oh. awesome awesome yeah. so you were born to do this leslie i love that i love that you know i, I wanted to ask you about elder wisdom because um, in one of your great blog posts, you talk mm -hmm. about, you know, the toll the pandemic has had and that mm -hmm. you mentioned as well the suicides, the addictions, all that, all that uh, unfortunate reality. And you talk about how this is going to affect the elder wisdom. Um, yeah. My, it's such an important concept that uh, Leslie, my father, he lived in, in Japan for seven years before I was born. Oh, neat. And, yeah. you know, he always, he, he always talks about that, like every six months or so, mm -hmm. he goes on a little rant about it. How like in Japan, in the East, elder wisdom is so uh, celebrated. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did want to ask you, what, Leslie, why don't you think America puts a more of a premium on, on the elder wisdom? Um, I think that, um, 
I think that it has in part to do with the way the country was originally conceived um, by Europeans coming here. You know, it was a new place, yeah. right? A new world. Everything was new, new, new and exciting. And um, I, think, I think that as maybe as a culture, um, America began as a break with certain traditions right okay. like the like european traditions of having kings and queens right. and monarchy and and theocracy right so america was all about being new um but i think that as we sort of settle into our um identity as americans uh, and and start to feel a sense of history um we're turning to we crave it we're turning to elder wisdom mm. um there's a lot of interest in the first peoples who lived here in indigenous culture yeah you know um and i think that there is a lot of a lot of interest in um creating communities where old people and young people live together and, and we're seeing more families as well um, extended families, you know, having grandparents living with parents and grandchildren all together, you know, and so, um, so I think, I think we will get there eventually. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that's a good concept that we're evolving in that regard. That's nice to hear. I hope so. I hope mm -hmm. so. I hope so. I mean, I think, I really do think people crave it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Leslie. You know, another thing that I wanted to ask you, I mean, you know, I've been like kind of like vibing with the city and um, I find it, uh, you know, naturally so unique and because of its creativity, but it, mm -hmm. but I find, I find that it's kept it, um, you know, for example, you know, when I go to New York, Leslie, I mean, obviously, you know, it's changed from this iconoclastic metropolis of creativity yeah. into kind of a suburbanized luxury zone with a price tag that only the 1% can afford. Mm -hmm. You know, you read about mm -hmm. these places like the CBGB and these are long gone. There's like a bank oh, there I now. Why, I want, why do you think that Nashville has kept, has been able to keep this essence, Leslie? It's amazing. Yeah, and I think um, I think we have to work hard to keep it. Um, but I think you know part of it is that um, the creativity here in Nashville, especially the creativity that's based around the music industry, uh, is part of the economic engine of this city. I mean, yeah. it's so it's so much part of the city's identity, right. and the city can't exist as Nashville per se, without its artists, they're so True. intertwined. I do think, I do think Nashville is troubled though by that um, tension, right? There's, mm. I mean, we are dealing with overdevelopment in some yeah. places we're dealing with, um, like I live in East Nashville and, you know, I couldn't, um, I couldn't live in, I couldn't afford to buy the house that I live in now. I bought, uh, my husband and I bought this place t uh, 11, 12 years ago. And now, you know, what the, what the, you know, to move here as a working artist now, I think is, is more difficult um, in terms of affordability yeah. than it was even a decade ago. So we're seeing some of that same creep and and part of that is that there's a real lot of pressure on the short-term rental market 
sure. um, you know, creating Airbnbs and a lot of um, a lot of the current building rushes to get up um, condos and things like that that can be then turned for profit. Right. Um, right. And and uh, flipping houses for profit and things like that. So so yeah, it's kind of you can see Nashville sort of going through some growing pains around that and. Um, I think it's so important that we keep an eye on maintaining affordable housing within the city, especially for cultivating our creative community. Because yeah. that's what makes Nashville the city it is right, so, right. so profoundly. Right, right. Yeah, everyone said, I mean, I, I come from I come from a place that is the opposite, right? Its identity is that it has no identity, which is Miami. And, <laughs> and, and where they'll, they'll, they'll raff, you know, raffle history for the biggest land bidder, the largest tower. So for me, it's like all this is gain, right? But everyone right. says, like, where you moved, I lived in the Gulch. They said that used to be like nothing. So, yeah. Right. So people do right. used to say that, right? Absolutely. That's yeah. Right. And I think I, and Miami, I think um, when people think of it now, though, I think one of the one of the beauties of the city, I think, has been the Hispanic, the Latino culture there. And that has really, um, I think, given Miami an identity that it that it maybe didn't have um, uh, once upon a time. So right. I think, you know, I think it's just, every city has its identity. That identity shifts a little bit over mm -hmm. time, depending on the demographic of the city. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, Nashville historically has been a, a very uh, creative town. Oh my God, this is so, I love talking to you. But yeah, let's see, there's so many beautiful writings of yours online and I encourage people to just kind of like Google and dig in. There's all sorts mm. of stuff, you know, with the East Nashville and you write about food sustainability, like a gorgeous song, you know, a father and son's beautiful bond making leather in Austin. I mean, so much, I can go on and on. But what struck to me, and I said, okay, I, I want to I ask you and left me thinking after was, you know, Sojourn and Stardust, right? Yes. You know, it teaches, you know, it teaches us the question, you know, what if the tears that flow in our lives are tears of grace, you know, to be thankful for all, mm -hmm. you know, th that's kind of like what I thought of it, like through it, you teach us a very important question. Uh, life is not happening to us, it's happening for us, Leslie, and, and, and it just gave me like just reading that, that blog. You know, I, I just kept you. thinking like, wow, like even now in the hardest of times, just to give thanks for this magnificent life full of all these feelings, right? The rain, the snow, the reflection on the car window. So I wanted to, you know, so I wanted to thank you because you made me like feel stuff, Leslie, through this blog, first oh, of all, like you. really, it was very emotional. And um, yeah, so as a human being, thank you. And how was this shift like for you, Leslie, uh, you know, with all these challenges that maybe got thrown at you like three years ago? That you that you made it like a tool for growth instead of like being something that that made you say oh why is this happening to me you said you know what I'm going to use this for growth and for expansion. Well, and that is actually um, that's actually a situation that came from some elder wisdom um, when I became ill um, with stage four cancer um, I had the good fortune through a mutual friend to become connected with another patient who was a little bit older than me and had been diagnosed some years before and had actually lived um, a long time with the yeah. illness. Yeah. She called me out of the blue and 
basically said to me on the phone, you know, you can live, you can live with this disease. You're not, you don't have to die of this disease. You live with it. And those words have just continued to inspire me. Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's sort of where I, that's sort of how I try to a- approach the blog is that, you know, if you, I could get up every day and go, you know, oh, my life is terrible. Oh, I have to think about keeping my cancer in check. I've lived with cancer. It's trying to kill, you know, like I could get so negative or I could get right. negative about the pandemic or the political situation or anything. I mean, it's, it's very easy to slip into a negative loop, right? Yeah. But, but you can stop it instantly if you find one thing to be grateful for, even just right. the way the light looks in the backyard today that I didn't get to see yesterday, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 By the way, I'm just really grateful right now to be talking to you. I just just feel compelled to say that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's, it's like a beautiful thing. Um, Let me, let me ask you, you're so generous with your time, Leslie. Let me ask you about teaching because, um, you know, it seems Mm -hmm. like you're a wonderful teacher. You've taught in in, in Tennessee and in a bunch of universities, you know, different programs. Uh, But, you know, like you can find, you know, comments from students and faculty saying Leslie is unbelievable. (laughs) She changed my life. She pushed me to go in a direction where I am now. It's incredible. So I have to ask you about about teaching. What uh, what sparks uh, the joy in you in teaching that makes it, you know? so authentic oh i think for me the the teaching has always been able to have that personal connection with students yeah Um, and to see them um to see them struggle as they try to transform their lives and to see them um emerge you know into these um these accomplished you know confident people um, probably my favorite thing is helping students to to tell their stories, you know, and sometimes helping them to discover their stories, they stories they didn't even know they had, and then wow. to be able yeah. to tell those stories. Um, I think of um, narrative or story as really our greatest natural resource, and I think mm-hmm. it's so important um, for people to be able to share those stories. Yeah, um, it's what makes us so human, and it's what connects us to one another as human beings, and it's it's how we share our our wisdom and our joy, and our our sorrow. It's how we Beautiful. lift each other up. up. Beautiful. Beautiful, Leslie. Yeah. Wow, what a great chat. I'll, let me ask you one question and I'll let you go. What, what are you reading right now? What can you recommend us? Like people listening to this and starting with me, like, you know, maybe a fiction and a nonfiction books. What, what should we be yeah. reading right now? Um, I am, um, oh, it's, it's always so hard to choose. You know, it's like choosing your favorite child. Um, I, what I really hope is that if, if people did not hear Amanda Gorman's uh, poem for the presidential inauguration, they should Google that and check that out. Can, can, can I just put a little parenthesis there, uh, Leslie? That was the most uh, beautiful poem. And, and listen, I, I, I've, yeah. I've, 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 had a, I've had a laugh with the Bernie memes and all that stuff. It's been nice. Yeah, yeah. But I, I almost like don't like that it took so much attention away from beautiful things like that. 
from that day. Yeah, yeah. And that was, and, and she, you know, she was so remarkable and she follows in the tradition of other really amazing inaugural poets. So I think sort of in a timely way, folks should have a look at um, Richard yeah. Blanco, who did the inaugural poem for Obama's, oh, for nice. President Obama, also Elizabeth Alexander, um, two, two, and I think those three inaugural poets together would be, would be so um, worth reading. Okay. Um, and so I would recommend reading, reading those, those poets. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Um, and for nonfiction, um, this is going to sound strange, but, um, I read a book called the emperor of all maladies, which became a PBS show nice. and it's a biography of cancer. And you would never think mm -hmm. that's how the author approached it. Like I'm going to write a biography a history of cancer and it's a history of cancer and cancer treatment okay so i know that's a strange recommendation but it was absolutely fascinating um and then uh for fiction um i really loved uh richard powers novel overstory right um, which has kind of an environmental theme yeah yeah, yeah and that's been one of yeah, yeah. So, um, and it's a it's a long read, but but I loved it. I love it. I love it, Leslie. Yeah. Leslie Lachance. Wow, what an honor! Thank you so much for your time, Leslie. I mean, listen, you're gonna be a friend of the show. I, I feel like you know, if if yeah. you if you will grace us with your presence every few months or so, like I think there's so much we can talk about. You're just you're, what a joy. Well, let me know because um, <laughs> you know we could do like a curated poetry series or something oh, like that if you wanted yeah. to do that. So. Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. that we could. I know. I know a lot of. There are so. There's so many great poets living here in Nashville, um, and I can send you recommendations. But it's Wonderful. it's a very very vibrant um, poetry community here, literary community as a whole. I mean, poet. We. I mean, fiction writers. We have we have writers who write these hysterical novels and just really really great stuff happening i love it i love it leslie we'll have a great rest of your day and thank you so much for connecting thank with you us. thanks Appreciate for it. having me Jamie. all right leslie take all care right. bye you've been listening to j rod concerts the podcast with jamie rodriguez